left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, let's get it going. We are underway this hour. It is Tuesday, February 13th. Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on this hour of Flames Talk, Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcast. Hello, Wes. Hey, buddy. Not only, not only uh-huh. is it Tuesday, February 13th, I just recently learned it's World Radio Day. It is World Radio Day. Was How I, do you feel? Was I supposed to bring you a gift or something? Well, no. Now you're part of the Brethren. Oh. Was someone supposed to bring me a gift? Yeah. We did. We brought you the gift of Shan. Uh, Shan, our producer, is your gift. Is that returnable? <laughs> I've been asking myself that question <laughs> since he joined our group I hope you here. got a gift receipt on that. Love you, Shan. Um, well, another night. And another unreal outing for Jacob Markstrom. And as much as we should be talking about how good this road trip was for Jacob and how he was the MVP on this road trip, how he's been their MVP all season long. Remember when we had that conversation? Uh, and I, I know we talked a little bit about this on Monday's show, but that conversation we had midway through last uh, th- this year, who's the MVP? Well, it's clearly Jacob Markstrom now. There's, there's no doubt about it. You've come to my side, is what I have. The, the yeah. guy, the guy, okay. like just it's not, just, it's not close. That's no knock it. on. Uh, absolutely, I, I'll, I'll uh, defer when it's, I'm wrong. It's been terrific, and that's not a knock on Kadri or Weger or Coleman or anybody else. Yeah, but the guy's been out of his mind, and he was again against the Rangers in a two nothing set bad setback. But instead of that, we're talking about Jacob Markstrom for a second straight day for other reasons, uh, and that is on the deal that didn't come to pass with New Jersey. And what we're starting to learn here is that it didn't come to pass, but it was damn close. And this thing was, as Frank Saravalli said, uh, he's going to kick off hour two of Flames Talk on this Tuesday. So the uh, following hour on podcast, he used the term well down the tracks. Um, if you, uh, go pick up the last hour of Kipper and Born, wherever you get the, your podcasts and, and go listen to Elliot Friedman with, with Nick, um, and Justin, same thing. Like this thing was close. And the more that you hear and the more that you dig around, the more that I've spoken to a few people is like, yeah, this, this was more than just serious talks. Like this thing was well down the line to the, to the point that, uh, you're now hearing multiple reports that they took this deal to Jacob and he gave the thumbs up on waiving the no movement clause. And when you hear hear it from Frank Saravalli and, and Elliot and you start to hear it from the people of, of that ilk, you know this is not, there's, there's smoke and there's fire. Yeah. And look, I've known for some time that Jersey's been all over Markstrom. It's Pretty much since November is what I believe that they've been chasing down or or hot on the heels of the Flames to see if a Markstrom deal could work. And last week, it feels like this thing came to a head, didn't come to fruition for whatever reason. It didn't cross the finish line, and here we are. But what does this tell you? What does this tell you about 
the organization? What does this tell you about where the Flames are? What does this tell you about what the general manager is asking for? And what does this tell you about Jacob Markstrom? That's a lot of what-ifs, but I guess just uh, there, there's a lot of ways we could go. we got a lot yeah. of time to talk about it. What uh, jumps out at you as we get more and more information on this? Well, let's start with the maybe Cole's notes, and then we can get deeper into each one. But what it tells me is that the Flames are very serious, and, and I didn't doubt this already, but... It tells me the Flames are very serious about getting younger as part of this retool, and that includes getting younger at the goaltender position. And finally, as we've been talking about for months, looking to open up an opportunity for Dustin Wolf. And it also tells me that a 34-year-old Jacob Markstrom wants to win. That despite the fact he continues to play his butt off for the Calgary Flames, and I don't anticipate that's going to change up to March 8th, after March 8th, whatever that looks like, but tells me that if you offer him an opportunity to go play with a could-be contender, he's going to take it. Those I'd love to hear yours, but those are my two big takeaways from this discussion. Yeah, I uh, the the number one. So so from an organizational standpoint, from a GM standpoint, it tells me that that. Craig Conroy is not effing around, and he is here. Here's my belief in terms of where I think things are. Uh, this is, and 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 I'm I'm pretty confident in this belief. I think the Flames have targeted fall of 2027 for kind of when they want to be out of this retool and be hitting stride. And fall of 2027 is when we're expecting the new building to be open. I, I honestly believe that that is a big-time target for this organization right now. They'd like to do something similar to what the Oilers did when they opened Rogers Place, which I think was the fall of 2017, if my dates are correct on that one. And they opened, it was either fall of 2016 or 2017, whenever it was. It was about a decade prior to when the Flames will open their new building. And... They, in year one at Rogers Place, what did the Oilers do? They went to game seven around round two. They should have been in the Western Conference final, but, you know, if it wasn't Ryan Kessler humping Cam Talbot's leg, it probably <laughs> would, have been, would have been. It probably would have been, but nonetheless, uh, it was 2016. Okay, so they so 11 years between. So it was the fall of 2016 they opened Rogers Place because, yeah, it was the 2017 playoffs where McDavid and Drysaddle first got their taste of it. and And so... I, I think the Flames would like to do something similar where they're ready to compete. They're what, ready to win rounds when they get into their new building. And that's three years from now, or a little bit more than three years from now. Jacob has two years left on his contract, and to get there, they are going to have to go younger. I'm not saying that they're going to be bad. I'm not saying they're going to all of a sudden be near the bottom of the league as much as a lot of people want them to be. But so it tells me that... that Craig Conroy's not messing around yeah. in that regard. Can can yeah. I just jump of in course. on something here? Of because course. because you're right. Like it doesn't mean falling to the bottom of the league, but doesn't it also signal to you a, a willingness to be immediately worse for long term game? You know, as soon as you trade your team MVP out the door, and we're not talking about a penny free agent, as soon as you trade Jacob Marsham out the door, you can forget about the wild card race. And that's not a knock on Dustin Wolf or Dan Vladar. Dan Vladar. Yeah. That's the reality of what you're going to have left at the goaltending position. Let me just th- so, let me just to, to, to double down on yeah. that. Jacob Markstrom at Money Puck went from 15.7 to 18.2 goals above expected in one game with how well he played against the Rangers. And he yesterday, I believe you said he was third in the league. 
Fourth in goal saved above expected. Okay. He is now number one. He moved into number one after the Rangers game in high danger save percentage at five on five and number two at all strengths high danger save percentage. Plus the goal saves above expected. Yeah. Plus the fact he's up to a 916 save percentage. This guy has been an elite goaltender from start to finish this year. He, and, and that's two of the last three years he's been one of the NHL's best. He has not, for my money or, or from my vantage point or however you want to put it, he has not cost them one hockey game this season. There, there were games last season that I thought and I wrote you know, you can pin this one on Jacob Markstrom. He he cost his team this game. That has absolutely not been the case in 23-24. Yeah. And so if you are willing to trade him, and I'm sorry again to interrupt you, but what that signals to me is that you're willing to take on that short-term pain. And, and that's a really good sign for the Calgary Flames. You and I have been sitting across from each other all winter, all fall, and saying they can't get caught up in this wild card chase. They can't miss out on opportunities to turn their veterans into future assets, into young players who are going to be part of that rebound that you talk about, whether that's in 27 or whenever it happens. And so the fact that they were willing to send Jacob Markstrom to the New Jersey Devils, the fact that as far as we know, it went to the length of asking or as far as has been reported asking Jacob Markstrom to waive his no move protection to and getting make the thumbs up on that it. deal happen like this signals that Craig Conroy is willing to take his lumps in the short term to make sure that this retool yep. is done properly and and it, it tells me that the the GM has fully bought in on intellectual honesty and that this group as assembled right now, whether it is in the, the immediacy, the next couple of years, or certainly, I don't think it's a bad thing to want to be good when you're, you know, what, seven-figure, eight-figure building opens. Uh, what What's the total cost? Like 1.2 bill is what it's going to end up being? Yeah, when, I can't when remember that building, the exact number, but it is significant. It's 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 not pocket change here, and, and taxpayers are involved, and CSEC's involved. Like, there's a lot of money at stake. So business-wise, I understand why you'd want to be in a spot where your product is optimal when you open that building. So that's a good goal to work towards. And so if you're intellectually honest with yourself and say, if we don't make big, pragmatic, long-term moves when we have an opportunity and when they present themselves right now, we're not going to be ready to compete to win playoff rounds and, and to go be, be viewed as legitimate contenders in three and a half years' time. And so... If, if you look at it and you say to yourself that, well, if we keep this group as assembled, we don't believe we're winning Stanley Cups or competing for them in 2027 and beyond, then what the hell are you doing, right? right? And certainly, I think you can also say that right now, is this team as assembled going to win a Stanley Cup? Probably not. And that's no disrespect at all to some outstanding seasons that are happening. And, you know, Mackenzie Weger is is playing playing above the anybody you would expect and 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 I think has set a new baseline for himself as an NHL defenseman in terms of what we expect and what he can be and Blake Coleman's having a hell of a year and Markstrom as we mentioned but is this group going to win a cup no i mean they they kind of got the the boots beaten off them against a, an elite team yeah. that played like it on on Monday night now again the flames might have been tired it's the end of a road trip i'm not saying that that is your definitive uh your definitive judgment my point is, is that I'm with you. It tells me that the GM is 
understanding what this group is now and understanding where he wants to be and has laid out a roadmap to get there and is willing to hit the signposts to get to that eventual destination. Yeah, and willing, in the case of Dustin Wolf to involve a guy who's a big part of what your group is going to look like or projected to look like when you hit that final signpost, right? This is a guy who is waiting in the wings that they need to create a spot for. And the willingness to move out Jacob Markstrom, the willingness to to cash in a guy who's having a, a terrific season at the expense of what it means for the next few months because of what it means for the future, I think is a really good sign. We, we've talked for so long about a Flames franchise that was trying to catch lightning in a bottle, right? To get in and then anything can happen. And... It's true when you get in, anything can happen. But more often than not, what happens is the top teams prevail. And so good on Craig Conroy for acknowledging that he has a group that's stuck in the mushy middle and recently closer to the bottom of that mushy middle. Mm -hmm. And it's time to do something about it. And because of the contract statuses of a few players, some of them no longer in Calgary, this was the year that you could really start to impact that change. And I just have no, it just looks like there's no concern that Craig Conroy is going to let that opportunity go yeah. to pass. Yeah. I think he's going to do everything he can to, uh, to, to make, make some of these things happen. Yeah. Um, I'm sure the text line is, is thrilled with the proposition of listen, yeah, it's going to make you worse. The moment you trade Jacob Markstrom, you are going to have a little bit of a tough run, right? There's going to be some lumps for two goalies without a lot of experience. But if this is the direction Craig Conroy is ready to go, this bodes really well for the more medium to long-term future. Yep. I truly believe that. Yeah, now you have to hit on the picks and, and you know we're going to talk in the next hour to Ray Edwards. It's it put puts pressure on your scouting staff. It it puts pressure on Ray and the development staff. It puts pressure on everyone to make sure that this retool sort of comes to fruition. But we haven't talked about starting a retool in this market for a decade. Yep. And that one wasn't done properly. And so here's a chance. It got sidetracked. It really did. Yep. Thanks to... Uh... Uh, that stupid PDO and all those comeback wins sidetracked it. Next thing you know, they're trading first round picks for Dougie Hamilton and the, the thing's completely gone off the rails. Right. And you can get lost chasing it. Right. And, and I understand why they were chasing it. For example, last summer, it looked like they, they had a team that could be on the brink of doing something, but you know, now you traded a first-round pick to get rid of a guy to create salary cap space. Well, the guy you had to get rid of just garnered another first-round pick. Like, you can make mistakes when you get caught chasing it. And this team, to your point, has not has not shown any evidence that you're in that mode where you should be chasing it. The other thing that this tells me, and by the way, we will get to the text line. It's uh, very busy at 960, The other thing that this tells me, and this is the other part that I think is really important for a Flames team that is starting to pivot. And, you know, lots of people, 
The Flames should re-sign Noah Hannafin. They should he you will be searching for Noah Hannafin for years if you and I'm not trying to be a jerk when I say it like that, but there's a yeah. lot of, there's a lot of that that feel, right? That they need to re-sign Noah Hannafin. It's not just their choice. Mm-hmm. And the same is true with Markstrom in that, okay. Do the Flames want to retain Noah Hannafin? I think it is abundantly clear that if the Flames had their way, they would be retaining Noah Hannafin. They have put a beyond fair offer on the table for him. And this is not to villainize Noah at all because Hannafin has handled this like a consummate pro and full-on uh, just a, a full-on adult the entire way. He has been awesome, and so by no means should there be any, um, in, in my opinion, any begrudging of the way Noah Hannafin has has handled this. They got to know, don't they? I think that they know what this It feels yeah. like it's moving in, in a certain direction, yeah. right? And so, but Noah has handled this like a pro. He has, they, they've, he's, he's been open. He's been transparent. He's been a damn good teammate. And it feels like a decision is, is pretty abundantly clear as well. And that's okay. He's given the Flames half a decade of good hockey. He has been a great teammate. He loves it here. He's also earned himself at the age of 27 a chance to be an unrestricted free agent. And as an American guy who looks at it and says, I've got my ability to call my shot. Well, I don't think anybody should begrudge him for doing that, especially if he gives the Flames the idea that, hey, I'm going to not re-sign here. I'll leave that in your hands. That there's there's no reason to be upset with Noah Hannafin if this is where it's ending up going, which it kind of feels like it is. Well, and the reason it feels that way is because there's nothing signed. We know there there's a lucrative offer on the table to Noah Hannafin. It's we February. 13th. We know the Calgary Flames have said, "Hey, Noah, we we need to know if you're signing this offer. You know, we need to know what the plan is." And so we all assume that Noah's a goner because we haven't heard otherwise. But I think this is important to point out too. Another thing that Noah and his camp deserve credit for is we're all guessing. Nobody knows what Noah's decision is. And that is an important, I guess, act of professionalism from the player too, that this doesn't create a circus no for leaks, the Calgary no, Flames. Yep. This, they don't lose their leverage because the entire hockey world knows Noah Hannafin's not going to stay with the Calgary Flames. And so kudos to Noah if he has made the decision that, you know what, I'm gonna, I want to try the market. I, I want to go to UFA. Well, the fact that the rest of us are still guessing at that gives Craig Conroy an opportunity to still leverage an asset. And the reason I brought up Hannafin is because the same is true when you talk about Jacob. Even though he's got two years left on his contract, I think you owe it to your players to be honest with them about where your organization is going and all of this talk about, well, Jacob should be with the flames to help mentor Dustin Wolf through that. What if he has no interest in doing that? What if a 33, 34 year old Jacob Markstrom with two years left on his deal is interested in winning a Stanley cup and winning a Stanley cup only? Or what if Chris Tanev again, Chris Tanev, they should re-sign him because he'd be great to work with the young defenseman. Damn right. He would be. But he wants to win a Stanley Cup. You saw him with Franchise and Scott Oak on After Hours. That guy wants to win a Stanley Cup more than anything. Mm-hmm. And 
your team's not winning a Stanley Cup in the next two years, next three years. That's that's the way this thing is going. Chris Tanev's 34 years old. He knows he knows the way he plays. He knows better than you and I how much wear and tears on his body, I would hope. And so he knows that he probably has a better chance elsewhere of winning a Stanley Cup. So that's probably why there's not contract talks right now because he know, he sees the writing on the wall too. And so for Jacob, if he gets asked, do you want to move your no movement clause? Going back to your point from the beginning of the hour, if he if they bring that to him and he says yes, it's not because he doesn't want to be here. It's because he wants to win. And New Jersey may not be winning this year, but you know what? With Jack Hughes and a returning Dougie Hamilton and Jonas Siegenthaler next year, and with Nemich and with Luke Hughes and with Nico Heischer and the rest of the group they've got and Jacob Markstrom between the pipes, when everybody's healthy next year, even though New Jersey probably doesn't make it this year, they look like a Eastern Conference contender next year with Jacob Markstrom on it, and Jacob knows it. And he knows that the Flames are are going in a direction that isn't that way. So does he want to be here for the final two years of his contract in his mid-30s, mentoring a young goalie when he's got an opportunity to win elsewhere? That needs to be taken into consideration too. These decisions don't all lie with Craig Conroy. Craig Conroy, if, if, if and when Noah Hannafin gets dealt, Craig Conroy hasn't been negligent. It's not like, ah, you know, they half-assed it in contract negotiations. No, they put more money on the table that Noah than Noah will likely get anywhere else. And they made a concerted effort to re-sign him with $60 million worth of reasons to stay. And Noah, fully within his rights, said, maybe I'd like to play in the States. Mm-hmm. And, but I, if that's the way things are going. I put it this way to you in a text message the other day. Noah Hannafin would be very hard to replace. And he would also, because of what he brings, be very easy to overpay. And Craig Conroy has to be cognizant of both. And and I think he is. You can't go past that offer that's on the table. Quite frankly, the offer, as far as we understand it, that we think is sitting there is richer than I would have been willing to go with Noah Hannafin to begin with. And so if he's still waffling, if he thinks that he might like to play closer to home or play somewhere with warmer winters or, or play somewhere that he feels he has a better chance to win right away. He's earned that right. Yep. That's how the National Hockey League and free agency works. But the difference between Hannafin and Tanev and Markstrom is that the other two guys, and I'm speaking about Markstrom and Chris Tanev, are, are 34 years old. And so they're and not... Jacob did just turn 34. Yeah, today. they're not going to be here to see the end of a, a rebuild. They're they're not going to be in their prime when when this retooled Flames team is ready to contend. And so on both sides, for an organization that wants to get younger, for two proud veterans that want to chase a Stanley Cup, probably makes sense to go your separate ways. And, and don't forget that these high-level athletes know acutely how much more difficult it is year over year over year to get their body ready to play at the level they need to play at at the NHL level. Like, Jacob Markstrom is one of the most incredible athletes that you will ever see in the... Like, this guy, with his frame and what he's able to do, the amount of preparation that goes in that we don't see... It's not just practice. It's not just taking shots before everybody else gets out there with Jason LaBarbera. 
It's hours of stretching. It's like the, the, the stuff that these guys do, especially as they get into their mid-30s to keep – it's not just they blink an eye and they go to work. The, the work that Chris Tanev has to do to get onto the ice when he's battling through all the crap that he has to battle with. Right. Like, they, so they know – they know way more than Pat, Wes, or you listening knows that they've got a, a window that will close. They know it because they feel it physically. And so when you feel it physically – they got a body clock, and they know that their body clock might be ticking faster than it was 10 years ago, and thus that body clock syncing up with a chance to win a Stanley Cup. The, the, the crossover is getting less and less likely. So when you've got an opportunity, damn right you should try. Yeah. And that's not... Teams go in different directions and pivot, and so sometimes... And, and I know that Jacob's under contract, but would do you want a guy who... <laughs> If you've got an opportunity to trade him for assets for a guy that would rather be on a winning team, I think you're going to take that 10 times out of 10 if that opportunity presents itself. So so what now, Pat, in the sense of if Jacob Markstrom has told the team that he was willing to waive his no-trade clause, and that's what we believe via Frank and Elliot and others, that he, he was willing to waive to join the New Jersey Devils. So now, fast forward to tomorrow, walking into that locker room. Can this continue to work for the rest of the season? Does Jacob Markstrom now have to be traded? Well, let me let me you, you tell me. This was uh, Mackenzie Weger on our post game show on Monday night. He's unbelievable. Uh, you know, he practices hard, plays hard for us. Um, you know, he's a Vesna caliber goalie. He's a great leader in the room for us. Um, you know, I, there's not really much more I can really say about him. He's he's the reason why you know we had a good road trip. Um, he looks great out there. He's, he's making unbelievable saves for us. And, um, you know, we're really lucky to have him. I think it'll be fine. I think you're probably right. They, they, they know what he means. Let me read you a few texts at 960-960. Um, this says, blasphemy, Pat. These guys will sign, and you should make them. It's all on your shoulders. Who cares about their winning aspirations? That comes from Dylan. Uh, this is an interesting text. Jacob has a contract. He has no choice but to take whatever role they give him for the next two years, and if that includes mentoring Wolf, then so be it. Yes, straight up, technically black and white, that's true. But pro sports lives in a lot of gray, especially when you're talking about veterans who have given, in this case, it'll be four really good seasons to you. You're going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know how many GMs, I don't know, I don't know if Craig Conroy's all that keen going, yeah, Jacob, screw what you want. You're mentoring Wolf. We don't care. Like, no, that's not the way this works. Well, and let's not mischaracterize this because I, I think it's really important to note this was never Jacob Marks from going to the Flames and asking for thousand a trade. Thousand percent this, important. This is nothing to do with Jacob Marks from demanding his way out of Calgary. And so, yes, he does have a contract, and I'm sure if the flames keep him for the next two seasons, you'll see the type of professionalism that has made Jacob such a a good pro and a popular teammate and all those things. But this can make sense for both sides, right? The Calgary flames have a young goalie on the way. The Calgary flames are ready to go younger at every other position. Okay. So would it make sense to move out your 34 year old goalie? Yeah, probably would. That's what a retool looks like. Would it make sense for Jacob Markstrom? To go help a team that could be a contender? Yeah, it probably would. And that's why we're having this discussion. Not because Jacob Markstrom pulled a slap shot and said, trade me, right, you know? Because... Or a Patrick Waugh. 
or Patrick Waugh. Because this is a conversation that's been had between the Flames and New Jersey Devils. Yeah. And the Flames and Jacob Markstrom. Yeah. Based on everything we know. But this isn't, and again, I just can't stress it enough, this isn't Jacob Markstrom playing hardball with the Calgary Flames. This isn't a guy trying to get out of his remaining two years in Calgary. This is a guy who was taken a very specific destination and opportunity and said, yeah, sure, that would work for me. The same way Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev have not said trade me. Right. They've they've said, at at worst, they've said, yeah, probably not going to re-sign when my contract is done, which is their right. They're, they're independent. Con- sure. For, 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 a, for a world that teams hold all the leverage for so much of a player's career and treat these guys like commodities yeah. and le- exert every piece of leverage they can, keeping them in the American League for contract reasons or, you know, nickel and diming them on deals because they can. Well, the player gets to have their choice when they've earned it too. Yeah. And we should never begrudge it. I truly, truly believe that. A few other texts, 96960. Uh, this says Conroy's off to a great start, much better than what, what I was expecting. A complete rebuild can take over a decade to get back into the playoffs. Just look at Buffalo or even Edmonton, who looked out, lucked out with so many first overalls, and there's still no guarantees. The retool is absolutely the best route. Uh, this says, gents, I'm all for getting younger, including mo- moving both UFAs, and I think Marky should be moved while he's worth the absolute most. What I'm curious about is what this tells the older locked-up players in the room, like Kadri, Coleman, etc. Uh, is It is absolutely fascinating when Kadri says he doesn't want to be a part of a rebuild, although I know that this isn't what that is. Do you think moving Markstrom will absolutely deflate the energy in that room? I don't know. I mean, I don't even know if the, it doesn't sound like they're going to move Markstrom. It sounds like for now the New Jersey deal might be uh, might be on the ashes at this point. But but it's a realistic concern, right? When you trade your your best player on a group that's talking about chasing down a wild card spot, it it sends a certain message to your veteran guys. Mm-hmm. But that's one of those tough decisions that you have to make for your team not to be stuck in neutral, not to be stuck in that that mushy middle. This says, um, can the deal be revisited? Yes, although it, it seems like the insider opinion on that happening is not the most likely. How's that? That sounds fair. Uh, this says... If it's a retool, if they keep Markstrom, it's a straight rebuild if they don't. And you forget that they've got high, high hopes for Dustin Wolf. And you also forget that look at I mean, look at what Cam Talbot's done for New Jersey uh, for, for Los Angeles. They got that on the, the unrestricted free agent market. Yeah. You know, if if even if you don't believe that Dan Vladar is the answer, and maybe there's also a trade there. You know, you can go Dustin Wolf and a UFA goalie for a couple of years while Wolf works his way into the mix and and gets more and more acclimated as a number one goalie to finally be what the Flames believe he can be. It doesn't it that that also is a conversation that lives in a lot of gray. Yeah, I and I I can appreciate the point, although I don't think trading Jacob Markstrom is necessarily the difference between a retool and a down-to-the-studs rebuild. You know, as long as this team has Mackenzie Weger and Rasmus Anderson on the blue line, as, as long as this team has Jonathan Huberdeau and Nazem Kadri and 
Michael Backlund and Blake Coleman up front. Like we're talking about a lot of veteran pieces still. And for me, just moving Markstrom wouldn't push that into down to the studs mode and, and rebuild retool, right? There are terms that get thrown around and what's the exact definition of either. I, I don't know that we've come to a consensus on that, but if we're talking about like, yeah, straight down, tear it right down to the ground, scorched earth. I just, neither of us see it happening yeah. here. I know, I know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, that's no. not what's going to happen. Uh, Wes, Pat, we're underway this hour on Flames Talk from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet Basement, they have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Anything and everything Calgary Flames, it's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time now for a Tuesday edition of your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary airport. It's Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Round table. Well, I know the entire team got blanked on Monday in New York against the Rangers. Um, so, you know, guys didn't add to their point totals to wrap up the road trip. But, you know, the way Jonathan Huberdeau has played since since January and, and certainly since Andre Kuzmenko's joined the team, and we know Mackenzie Wieger's just been piling up the goals and um, putting nonstop shots towards the net all season long. You know, now that we are a little bit more than 18 months removed from the Matthew Kachuk trade with Florida in July of 2022, guys, this has to be the best that the Flames look on this trade. Like, Florida is happy regardless. They went to a cup final with Kachuk leading the way. They're a cup contender again this year, and, and we know what Matthew Kachuk's all about. But from a Flames standpoint, this has got to be the best the trade has looked from their end since it got made, I would suggest. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And for me, that's less about Mackenzie Wieger and more about Jonathan Huberto because Mackenzie Wieger, uh, even though I think it took him probably about half a season to really settle in, I thought he was really good in the second half of last season. Arguably the Flames' best defenseman in the back half of the 2022-2023 campaign. And you can make a strong argument that he has been their best defenseman so far this season. Now, Noah Hannafin, with the season he's had, would have something to say about that. But Mackenzie Wieger has been good uh, for pretty much a, a full season now, a full season plus, I would say. But that hasn't been the case with Jonathan Huberto until recently. And when he was really struggling through last season and then in the first half of this season, I said and others said, you know, if Jonathan Huberto could get back to being close to a point-a-game player. Even if he never gets back to being a 100-point player or a 115-point player like he was in his final season with the Panthers, that would be a win for the Flames. And that's a contract that you could live with moving forward. Well, Jonathan Huberto has 16 points in the last 17 games. So he's been that guy that I was hoping he would become and that I know others were hoping that he would be again in the last month plus. So I definitely think it's the best the trade has looked from a Flames perspective. And man, what a season Mackenzie Wieger is having. 15 goals, which is two more than any other defenseman in the NHL. And when you take a look at uh, what he's projected to put up through 82 games this season, 23 goals 
would be almost three times as many as he scored in any other season. And 49 points would be a career high, five more than he had a couple of years ago in his final season with the Panthers. So I think from a Flames perspective, uh, now that Jonathan Huberto's playing like the guy who they thought they were getting, or at least close to that guy, then yeah, the trade's looking a lot better. Yeah, I, I'd absolutely have to agree that this is as positive as this trade has looked from a Flames perspective since essentially they hit the ice last September. And Mackenzie Wieger's goal scoring certainly has something to do with it. You know, one of the sort of pace milestones that I think is sort of neat is the fact that he's right now on track to be just the third Flames defenseman in the 2000s to score 20 goals. He'd join Mark Giordano and Dion Phaneuf as the other two who have achieved that just once a piece. And so while I don't think he's touching the numbers that Al McInnes put up back in the 90s just to put himself in that uh, company offensively would be something. But as you said, Wilsey, and, and I'll just echo it here, the key really has been the offensive awakening that we've seen recently out of Jonathan Huberto, not just the points, but the creativity and, and doing away with some of the the giveaways and, and the turnovers and, and the points of frustration that were coming on the other side yeah. of that. You know, he he's looked good going back, I would say, to about New Year's Eve. He's just a smidge under a point-per-game guy. Again, going back to New Year's Eve and... You know, the one thing I really liked in the past few games especially is you can tell he's really taken it upon himself. He's certainly heard the the concerns or the criticisms that his new line with Sharon Govich at center and Kuzmenko on the right side was going to be a defensive disaster. And you can tell that Jonathan has taken it upon himself to make sure that's not the case. Like the the defensive effort that we saw out of him on the road, I thought was really strong as well. And so he's ultimately going to be measured on offense. And I, I do think for us to keep having this conversation, he needs to maintain close to a point per game clip for the rest of this season. But certainly if you compare it to stretches last season, if you compare it even to this fall, this is the best that trade return has looked in a long while. Yeah, no doubt. And, and, you know, I think maybe one thing that the Flames were a little caught off guard with when making this trade, and I, I don't know if this is them, I, I don't know if this is something that you could have known necessarily when you made the deal, or you would have had to have anecdotal, anecdotal kind of real empirical evidence in front of you, but I think to just echo the part about how Jonathan has been the the key because Mackenzie Weger has been good for them pretty much since the All-Star break of last year. He's he's really just ramped up his game and and continued to do so. But with Jonathan, they've never really had the right guys to play with them until recently. You know, the, it didn't work with Lindholm. It wasn't a hit with Kadri. It, it was okay with Backlund and Coleman. Like those guys can make anybody work with them. And I think that they did. And, and prior to recently, that was probably the best fit. Didn't work with Toffoli, right? So just never had the right personnel. And then Sharon Govich worked natural shooter plays with some speed. He is, is always willing to take that shot. So, okay. Even with Lindholm at, at center, I think the thing that we all observed was Sharon Govich and Huberto were the ones that had the real chemistry. And there was some there with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Maybe still not with Lindholm and Huberto, but at least Huberto and Sharon Govich looked like they could play together. 
And then you go out and get this dynamic guy in Kuzmenko who is able to open up space and who plays very good on the rush and is dynamic on the rush. And finally, it feels like offensive guys with high offensive IQs and who can play with the pace that Huberto needs to find them on the rush. It feels like finally they found the right guys for them, which is the other addition I'd add to this is just now Huberto is looking better. I think his confidence is, is a whole lot higher than it ever has been. And finally, I think the personnel that he's playing with is the best suited to him that it's been this entire time, which is another big reason why there's no question that this trade looks better now than it has at any point. Yeah, and I think that that first line, that new look first line with Yegor Sharangovich between Jonathan Huberto and Andre Kuzmenko could continue to grow because I don't know if you guys see it the same way. Uh, as much of a connection as Huberto and Kuzmenko have had, and I would say probably had more in the first couple of games than the last couple of games, Sharangovich still appears to me to being to be adjusting to going from right wing to center, where you've got way more defensive responsibilities. Uh, he's not in a position to, to one-time the puck as often as he was. So as he gets more comfortable playing down the middle, I think that line could be even better moving forward. And, and then the other thing is, and maybe something that I haven't talked enough about, Mackenzie Weger has become a real leader for this team. And with the Flames trading one of their alternate captains in Elias Lindholm and potentially about to trade another in Chris Tanev, I'm guessing they're going to give one or two A's out. And I, without hesitation, would give one of those A's to Mackenzie Weger. He's a guy who has been willing to, to talk to us after big wins, after tough losses. He holds himself and he holds his teammates accountable. And you know what? He has put his money where his mouth is. And I think on a, a team that's progressively getting younger, having guys like that inside the dressing room is going to be really important for the Flames. So, yeah, Mackenzie Weger has been good for a season plus. Jonathan Huberto appears to have found his game. And from a Flames perspective, I mean, Matthew Kachuk was definitely the best player in that deal, but it's looking better now than it ever has before. And hey, Matthew Kachuk only has two more goals than Mackenzie Weger does. So that's a pretty good stat from a Flames perspective as well. Wilsey, you have me curious now because Ryan Huska has mentioned Blake Coleman like every single time he talks about his his leadership group, he he mentions Coleman, and sometimes it's just Backland, Tanev, and, and Blake Coleman. So you you have me wondering, from your vantage point, if he only has one letter to give out, are you going Coleman or Uyghur? Oh, Wes, that's a tough one. Those would be definitely the top two. Yeah. Without me having to even think about it. I don't want to have to choose between the two. I think they'd both be a great choice. Yeah, fair enough. It's a good problem to have, right? I, I do think yeah, you have two really solid candidates there. And I, I, you know, I think what we've seen with Blake Coleman and, and the leadership that he's illustrated and, and everything that we've heard without a letter is he doesn't necessarily need one. But I am curious if you end up with just one to give out or if you decide you're just giving one out because you have two existing alternate captains left, even if you trade Chris Tanev. I'm curious which direction yeah. they go. Yeah, and maybe I lean slightly, I mean, so slightly in Coleman's direction Okay, because he's won two Stanley Cups. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable with uh, Steinberg, Wes, and the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills. 
guys, how uh, how are we liking Oliver Shillington? Uh, he's been back now for six games since uh, returning from his his long absence, and he played the two before the break. Then has played the four games on this road trip. How uh, how are we liking how he's starting to reacclimate to being a full time NHLer? Yeah, I think uh, the ramping up process is probably going according to plan for Oliver Shillington and the Flames. And I still think there's more there offensively. He's a guy who has produced at this level before, and I believe will produce at this level again. But I think kind of easing him in, starting him on the third pairing, working with him to ramp up his minutes as he gets physically and mentally back to a good place in this league again, I think it's a good plan for the Flames. And I think the goals and the points are going to start to come for Oliver Shillington because he's got a a great skill set with the way he skates and with the way he can read the play and jump up into the rush and sometimes even lead the rush. And and the goals and the points will come. But uh, when I look at his time on ice, uh, he's slowly been creeping up and, you know, a bit of a step back and then a step forward. Uh, But he hasn't really taken a big hit as far as time on ice goes. And for me, that's certainly an indicator of how the coaches feel about how he's playing. But right now, I actually quite like that pairing, that third pairing with Oliver Shillington and Braden Pahal. And it's interesting, guys, because they're two very different players. And sometimes that works and sometimes that doesn't work. But they do appear to complement each other. You've got Shillington, who's a great skater and... I wouldn't say an offense first defenseman. I think that's what he's used to be, but has really worked on the defensive side of the game. But he's probably more willing and able to to get involved offensively than a, a defense first guy like Pahal. But uh, I think with the physicality that Pahal plays with and the fact that you know he can kind of stay back and, and let Shillington get involved offensively when he feels like the time is right, it's been a good third pairing for the Flames. As a matter of fact, uh, I'd go as far as to say it's the best third pairing the Flames have had this season. And that's not a knock on anybody else, but uh, I, I do really like what I, they're getting from the third pairing right now. But, you know, Oliver Shillington, uh, I love the fact that uh, he's been willing to say a little bit more about uh, some of the things that he went through the last year and a half and his road back to the NHL and you know how much the organization and uh, the coaches and the, his teammates have supported him. And uh, we're just seeing a guy who I think is starting to feel more comfortable and confident. Uh, Once he gets uh, the point monkey or the goal monkey off his back, I think that might free him up even more offensively. But uh, I'd say so, so far, so good for him. Yeah, I really like the way that Oliver's game, for the most part, has been trending. I I like the fact that since paired with Braden Bahal and whether it's a case of his new defense partner and how sort of stay at home, no frills his style is, or, or if it's just Oliver getting more comfortable now that he's had five, six games under his belt. I do like that we're seeing more of that offensive jump from him. I, I really like the the rush that he ends up just sliding one wide last night against the, the New York Rangers. Quite frankly, one of the Flames' better scoring opportunities on the night. I, I think it's also fair to point out that the goal that winds up in the back of the Flames' net is on Oliver Shillington, right? That's a missed connection with... Blake Coleman at the blue line, that's his pass that misses its target and the two-on-one goes the opposite direction. But for the most part, and you have to expect those mistakes from any player, let alone a player who missed a a season and a half of of game action at any level, for the most part, I I really like the way Oliver's game is trending. I, I think it's such a positive for the Flames that he's slowly looking more and more 
like the guy that we saw have that breakout season in 21-22. And, and I believe as the rust continues to get knocked off, we're going to see him just look better and better. Yeah, I, I've really felt like as the six games have gone on here that he's just looked more and more comfortable. And yeah, I and, and I bet you that playing with... Because you probably even have a feel that, yeah, I'll probably be playing with Pahal for a little while here. You even just probably mentally can feel a little bit more comfortable that, yeah, it's probably going to be like this for the next little while. So you become a little bit more mentally set with it too. And so, yeah, he just, he looks more and more comfortable. He's taking more risks. He's leading more rushes. It's one of the things that, that we saw him do on a regular basis two years ago when he was a bona fide top two pairing defenseman and the flames didn't really have a true top pair. They had two top pairs that year because of how good Shillington and Tana have played together and how good Hannafin and Anderson were together. So it's, it's something that I've been impressed with. And, and what's been really interesting is how Ryan Huska has really not had any qualms with putting him in tough situations. Like he is, seen far more time starting at his own end than at the offensive end. It's not like the coach who is very, very familiar with Oliver going back to his time uh, in the American League. And it's been most of the time he's thrown out that third pairing and, and used Oliver just like any other defenseman, not sheltering him, not trying to tailor his minutes. It's still a third pair, so you aren't going to see the same type of minutes as your top four defensemen are, but... Yeah, I, I've been I've been really impressed with how more and more comfortable Oliver has looked here, and I think that's only going to continue. and And I think that we're going to be talking about a guy who looks even um, I, I, even more impactful in a month's time. And when we come to the end of the season, wouldn't be a surprise if we're talking about, geez, I can't wait to see what a full training camp Oliver Shillington looks like because of how he ramped up as this year went along. Yeah, and he's looked a lot less rusty than I thought he would. For a guy who didn't play in the league and really didn't play organized hockey for a year and a half before he got a, a short stint with the Calgary Wranglers to try to ramp up to rejoin the Calgary Flames, there hasn't been a lot of rust there. And I'm sure at times he's felt a little bit rusty and like his timing is off, but I think it's come back pretty quickly for him. And I've really liked him since they put him on that pairing with Braden Pahal and I think it's been good timing for the Flames because they're able to ease him in on the left side of the third pairing with their top four intact. But if they move one of Noah Hannafin or Chris Tanev, or both of, then it's pretty clear that Oliver Shillington is going to be playing in the Flames' top four. But I think this has been an opportunity for him to get his game back and for the team to kind of ease him in and uh, – ramp up his minutes and, uh, you know, put him in some different situations, uh, some higher leverage situations, uh, the more comfortable he gets. So that's been fun. And I mean, outside of uh, his return to the lineup, and that was a, a pretty special night at Scotiabank Saddledome. Guys, for me, the highlight since he's returned was that play that he made in that game against the Devils last Thursday, when he started from behind his, behind his net and made such a slick little move to basically send two Devils four checkers crashing into one another so for me that's kind of peak oliver shillington and i'm looking forward to seeing more of that moving forward thank you Wilsey. we'll do it again on wednesday 
Okay, guys, have a good night. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll start to wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. Uh, thanks to Shan and Cam, our producers, this hour as well. And uh, as always, the Daily Flames Roundtable is brought to you by our friends at Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Mercedes-Benz Country Hills is open on Family Day. Do something with the family and something you want to do and find exceptional savings just minutes from the Calgary Airport.